Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is from Genesis 28, 10-22, also found in your bulletins. Jacob left Beersheba and set out to Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and of the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of the Lord. I submit to you on the screen the news of the week. It's a few days old now, so it seems like it's a used-to-be item. That's how quickly the news cycle runs in our world now. But early this week, this was making the rounds with the title, Elephant Selfie. This is a Canadian student in Thailand. I think he's 22 or 23 years old. And a few months ago, he had his phone with him, and apparently the elephant grabbed the phone and took the selfie. I presented to you because, like a lot of things in our world, it's quick, it's here, and then it's gone. Look at this. How many times in your day, whether it's a, uh, you know, a little YouTube video of a cat or something, or something else maybe from your own life, you say, look at this, but it's nothing that would change anybody. Nobody's expecting transformation of any kind. It's here. Oh, I'm supposed to show you this selfie. How come it's not there? It's here, and then it's gone. It's gone again. Oh, my battery's died. You're going to have to run it, okay? I'll just say, I'll say, click, like that. Click. Oh, maybe you have to go in reverse. You've got to get to that elephant selfie. Yeah, you've got to back up. Back up. There. It's there. The elephant took a selfie. Uh, and now we can move on. I'm done with that. Because today we start a new series, a break from the book of Romans. For the spring, we often do a contemporary living kind of series in the spring. And this year, uh, I thought of calling the series How to Have a Good Day 
but that sounded off for some reason. Or things you need to do, but that sounds kind of preachy, like brush your teeth and recycle. Uh, What I have in my mind, I'll tell you, is how to have a good day and then another. These are essential actions of the Christian faith. Pray, read your Bible, love your neighbor. Those are essential actions, and I don't mean to diminish them. But the ones that I'm mentioning, you can go ahead and go to the next one and the next one. There we go. These are the ones that I want to work through, um, that I'm adapting from a book, but, uh, but we're making it our own. First, wake up. That's today. Pay attention. Get lost. That's not me cursing you in any way. Get lost. Uh, I'm saying you have to get lost in this life. Be with the people you're with, which sounds pretty obvious, except it's one of the things we've forgotten how to do now. Trust me. Try and have a conversation with somebody and see how many other people who aren't in the room they're talking to. Be with the people you're with. Feel pain. That will be on Father's Day, so that's appropriate. Um, Feel pain on Father's Day. And pronounce blessing as our last of the six. How to have a good day and then another. These six things that you must do in the Christian faith. And today we consider the uh, injunction, the directive to wake up. I'm thinking of Caroline Liggett's art show. Caroline's probably there now. Is that correct, Chris? She's, Caroline was pleased to be part of, you had to be juried, like you had to have your art judged to make it into the, I think it's the inaugural Vancouver Art Show. And so a number of us were out there on Friday night and seeing Caroline's booth and just amazing. And the work, for those of you who've seen Caroline's painting, um, she does incredible work. And the reason I'm thinking of it is I'm going to go over a story here that we discussed at camp last week. So some of you are like, this sounds like last week. Yeah. But you know what? You can look at Caroline's paintings more than once and say, isn't that beautiful? I don't uh, mean to say that the sermon will be as beautiful as that art, but the story is of Jacob. And so if you were at camp last week and heard this, I invite you and I'm glad to say to you, hear it again. Look again. Listen again. And don't let my words get in the way. Hopefully they'll be for you evocative rather than too descriptive and diminishing. To consider this scene in Genesis chapter 28, I want to let you, to see, let you see how it lives in your life. The story of Jacob. Part of the story. I don't have to outline the entire story for you. The whole narrative, which is in Scripture, is extensive both before and after this scene. Amanda, we can go to the next one. Um, But this scene is maybe, this and one other could be argued are, are the key points in Jacob's story. I can describe it easily because you can hear it in these terms. Some people can hear it from experience, their own personal, and others from things that they know from others' lives. Jacob's family was an utter disaster. And he ran. I was just listening to Paul Simon this morning when I was driving back from Newton. And there's a great song called Rewrite. And it, it, it casts, I don't know, he's probably a 50 or 60-something-year-old man. And he says, I'm going to rewrite my story. I'm going to throw away the, the beginning. I'm going to change the ending. He says, I'll eliminate the pages where the father has a breakdown. And he has to leave his family, though he really meant no harm going to substitute a car chase and a race across the rooftops where the father saves his children and holds them in his arms. 
This running in terms of family distress is not something that is only in Genesis chapter 28. It is all around you right now, and some of you have experienced it. Jacob runs from a dysfunctional home. This is not simply a personal identity crisis. His father was dying, and his family was imploding, and he had a twin brother who had wanted the blessing of the father, but Jacob's mom had favored Jacob, working to get the blessing for him. And Esau, the brother, had become enraged and set out to kill Jacob, and Jacob ran for his life. Jacob leaves with nothing but the clothes on his back and runs until he's tired enough to not be able to run anymore. Finds a place. He doesn't find a place. He just winds up in a place. But he'll have to rest and sleep and literally collapse. There's nothing in this place. It is, if you were to describe it without faith, God forsaken. But when you know God in faith, you know there are no God forsaken places. But this place is desolate and wilderness and dead, every bit of it. And it would, I'm sure, remind Jacob of his circumstance. How did I wind up here? And he finds a rock about the right size. As I hear this, I think, isn't it curious, the questions we ask ourselves in desperate times? Jacob, one of the questions Jacob is asking is, What's the right size of rock I need right now? And the Bible says he finds one just about the right size. I already see God's grace in this. This will do. And he lays the rock down on the ground and his head on the rock and tries to sleep on this hard pillow. And somehow he sleeps. How could you sleep in such circumstance except that you are so terribly exhausted? that even your troubled thoughts can't keep you awake anymore. He sleeps and then he has a dream, a vivid dream. More vivid than if it had actually happened. It actually happened. More vivid than if it had actually happened. You have to let these things play in how you would describe it. Was it real? Well, it was the most real thing in Jacob's life. He didn't just imagine it. It was there to him. And what it was was a staircase, a stairway to heaven, a ladder. For our sensibility, maybe more of an escalator. Reaching from where Jacob was on the dry, dusty ground to the heavens. And there are angels ascending and descending on the stairs on this escalator. Whenever angels show up, I just think it's like part of the grace of God. It doesn't seem like they do that much. They just keep you company. And remind you that God is working. It's not an angel that's your guardian. It's the Lord God. But they're there to keep Jacob company in this dream, I think. It would be a lot more boring if it was just a ladder. And maybe they remind him that this ladder is about heaven. It's not just a path for his future. It's not just, oh, okay, now I know what to do next. Which is what you and him are looking for. He's being reminded of something bigger. And then Jacob hears the voice of God from the top of the ladder, verses 13 to 15. Remember that I am with you. I will not leave you until I fulfilled my promise to you. And the promise is that the ground you are on will be yours by my hand. I'll give it to you and your offspring. Which is again kind of funny. Jacob having offspring. 
He's just trying to survive. And God's already talking of the future. Your offspring will be, you see the grace of God again? Your offspring will be like what? To Abraham, he said the stars in the sky. But that's because Abraham was looking up. To Jacob, he said like the dust of the earth because Jacob's head is on the ground. God's already transforming this place. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. And then God gets Jacob to lift up his head and say, and says, look around north and south, I'll bless you in this land. And then the best promise of all, I will keep you and not leave you. And soon after, Jacob, and here's the first action that we're going to look at as essential in Christian faith, Jacob wakes up to a changed world. Wake up to God's presence. You have spent too much time thinking that the Christian faith is first and foremost about you. Each decision, each action, whether you're good or bad. These things are important, but the first thing is to wake up to God's presence on a daily and even moment-by-moment basis. Jacob wakes up in the same place. I want you to hear that. Jacob wakes up in the same place in which he fell asleep. But everything is different. We're told that he speaks this to himself. He wakes up. The same ground, the same rock. And says, Surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. He gives the place a name. Last night the place deserved no name other than God forsaken. But after this dream, Jacob calls it a name. The house of God. And then... And then next, it's a great next. We're told that Jacob was afraid. What is it that brought him fear last night? The fear last night was the desolate nature of the place. This is a new kind of fear, a fear of life and power. God himself is here and I did not know it. And his response is the only one that's appropriate. He uses the word awesome, filled with awe. The place that had been called the worst, the place of sorrow or pain, where I was at my lowest, rock bottom, quite actually, rock bottom. Whenever you talk about rock bottom now, use that to remind yourself about Jacob. Jacob was actually rock bottom. At the end of the line, my own personal hell, that's what it was when I went to sleep. But I awoke in the house of God. I should tell you a little bit about Jacob. He's a schemer. It's what his name means. My cat's named Jacob. He was called that when we adopted him. He was a stray. And I was reminded as I was studying Jacob's story, the name means schemer or cheater. It's perfect for the biblical character and it's perfect for my cat. I don't know if God's told my cat that he's with him. Anyway. The very name means cheater, the one who grabs for that which is not his. But when he wakes to the presence of God, the schemer stops scheming. He's transformed. He begins to live a life of trust. He says at the end of our text, if God will go with me, then I will do this. I'll follow. 
I'll give him tenth of what I have. He begins to live a life of trust. This essential action of the Christian faith to wake up and you will encounter God in the reality of your daily life, not in some created religious environment. It's why even for those of us who love church so much, I love church. I love this gathering. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And it's not to diminish one ounce of it. And we should have people coming to church more and more often. But the place where you will encounter God the most by God's grace is actually not in this room. It's in the whole of your life. You come here to be reminded of that so that you can see. It's not to get a fix. It's to have your eyes opened and to be woken up. A religious impulse in our world is to run around saying God is not in this place. Well, he's not there with you because you're sitting We know where God is, and it's not with you. Ironically, people who say that almost always mean that God's with them. Nobody would have picked Jacob. We don't even have an account of Jacob saying, Dear God, please bless. In this story, he doesn't cry out. I mean, I know he cried out, but it's not like he did some religious five-step program, and then God said, Okay, now I'll be with you. It's entirely God's grace. We need to remember that in our lives. God is with us where we go. God intervenes by His grace. The Bible itself reminds us in the storm, in the waves, in the beauty of a morning, in the hills and the sky. This is not pantheism. I don't say to myself that 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 blade of grass is God. But I will tell you in my faith that I have occasionally heard every blade of singing grass calling out His name. The whole earth is full of His glory. Surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. And Jesus, our Savior. It seems to me that at times we can present Jesus as if He's walking around judging our, all of our activities and behavior, giving out moral grades, mostly pass-fail and mostly fail. Moral stances and judgments But if you read the gospel, Jesus does very little of this. Almost none. What he does do is say to you, you need to wake up. Oh, you of little faith. We sang it this morning. I mean, these these words, I don't know how you guys can sing this and, and not, as I said, where's be still my soul? Be still my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Oh, no, here it is. Be still my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Wake up, O you of little faith, to the disciples in the boat at the feeding of the 5,000. Open your eyes in the telling of the parables. Let him who has ears hear, him who has eyes see. Jesus calls us consistently and always to wake up to the real presence of God in this world. And Jacob, having woken up, sees that everything in his life has changed though nothing in his life has changed. Esau still wants to kill him. He still doesn't have a nice place to stay. He still has apparently no future. It's the same rock. It's just a rock. It was just a rock until Jacob made it a pillow, and then it was a pillow, and now Jacob turns it into an altar. Why? Because he's woken up. But if he hadn't have woken up, and you hadn't have, 
than it just be a rock. And you'd be praying, dear God, change my circumstance. God does much more than change Jacob's circumstance. So how does one wake up and learn to see? The problem is, if I say to you, do what Jacob did, then we'd be in trouble. He's a schemer. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this for everybody here, every age. If you make yourself open to God's power and blessing and presence, you will know it. This is the faith I have and share. I could tell you five things to do, five ways to live, five. But first I say to you, wake up, and you say, how? And I say, ask, be open. I hope you don't have to reach that place of absolute desperation like Jacob did, but it wouldn't be the worst thing. You can say that's Jacob's dream, but I can recount similar circumstances in my life. This is not only Jacob. The trouble is not that God isn't present. The trouble is that we're not open to God's presence. And if, if often, if this was us in this scene, we would explain it from lack of you know, good food or I've been running so long that I had this crazy dream or some induced fantastical thought. It's not as real as the really real, which is my mortgage or commuting. Jacob had a thousand reasons to dismiss this vision, and so do you, and you are maybe better at it than he is. Or you could make altars and take note, maybe in a journal, maybe an actual rock. In this place, at this time, I encountered God, and I want to live my life in light of this encounter. I'm riding to Whidbey Island last week, uh, down to the camp, and I had a Disney moment. I had in my mind the 16th Psalm, apart from you I have no good thing. And the day was beautiful. And the ride, it's long, but it has varied parts of it. Like Chuckanut Drive is beautiful, the Skagit Flats, Whidbey Island. I got to this place, it was not even a town, like a gas station or something, but there was a light. And of course I came to the light and it turned red and I hate that. Wait. Um, but I'm a nice cyclist, so I waited. And as I was waiting at that stoplight, this bird, just a nothing bird. Some of you know birds. I don't, but I like them. This bird came up and started to have a conversation with me. And I became this Disney princess for a moment. That's what it was like. <laughs> I mean, maybe he'd been watching me ride and going, this guy is insane. Why is he riding so far? I must be able to trust him. And so literally this bird, I thought it would just fly by like they, you know, could almost you, just, you don't know it's there until it's gone. But it started to do that. I started to kind of feel it out of my periphery vision. And it stopped right here. And then it kind of went like this and back. And it wasn't that windy, but it just went like this. And then came closer to me. And I waited. I thought there'd be like seven or eight more, but it was just one. And, and he just kind of said hi. And then as the light changed, we both started going. He actually flew beside me for a minute and then off he or she went. Like a scene from a Disney movie, except I'm not quite a beautiful princess. That's just, that's just like, um, here's this little treat. I tell you, if you look for the presence of God in your actual life, this is the key for me. Not in your imagined life. Not in your one day I'll be holy. 
Not in your, I'll do these six things and then I'll know God. Who do you think you are? Like, you'll do six things so you can know God? You think too highly of yourself. you got to be like Jacob or me, frustrated at a red light, but open. Look for the presence of God in your actual life, not your imagined life. And now the most interesting part of the story to me, and I, I say this, I know it can be painful for some of you facing difficulty, but I think it's the most interesting note in my mind. God does not call Jacob up the ladder. That's how we'd write the story. Or that the place would actually become different. Now, all these flowers grew. Right? And he doesn't call Jacob up the ladder. He sends him back to his life. The same life. But Jacob, instead of saying this place was an awful place, says this is the very house of God. Somebody else would come by. We imagined this at camp as an online review of a hotel. Somebody else would happen on that scene and go, this is the worst place in which I've ever stayed. And Jacob says, yeah, and smiles and says, it's the house of God. The gate of heaven. The schemer goes back to his actual life and there's no limousine waiting to take him away. But it's the gate of heaven. Some of the worst places that I've been, I see people seeing this being in the hospital or the hospice with people who are dying, and occasionally they see, they know, this is the worst thing I have ever experienced, losing my loved one or facing death like this, but I've seen it where they, by God's grace, see that this is the gate of heaven, a house of God. An essential action is waking up. I was asleep. I could say this every day, and so could you. I was asleep. But he woke me up again. He woke me up again to sing. Halle. Halle. Hallelujah. So much of the religious life, I, I, I feel this so strongly, so much of the religious life is acting and living as if God was real. Do good things and obey as if God was real. But in that kind of living, you don't need God to be alive. You just need somebody who's religious telling you how to live. It becomes about you, your life, your decisions, rather than, have you seen God? Have you encountered Him? Have you awoke? Have you woken up in the house of God? I'm telling you, I know one thing. Oh, change it. I'm probably three behind. That's all you need. I've said it a thousand times. I'm telling you, if you long for this, You barely have to long for it at times. God might just throw it your way when you least expect it, like Jacob did. But Jacob was open to receive it. If you are after this, you will see that this very earth is holy ground by God's presence. And you will say each day, I'll say it too, I'll say it with you. This is the house of God the gate of heaven. Wake me up, Heavenly Father. Amen.